everybody. Welcome back for another segment of Bookends. He's Jason. This is our mascot teaser. I'm Chucky. We're going to jump into it today. First, we're going to talk about a little college football. Then we're going to look at pro football preseason. We're also going to touch on some of the young quarterbacks. Should they or shouldn't they start? Some fantasy sleepers. And then we're going to finish it off with our segment that we kicked off last week. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's just jump right into it, Jay. We're going to start with a college football game. I mean, it's exciting for us this week. We've got college football games on Saturday. Then we got six games. We're looking to put up a, a few more games. One of the games that really highlights the slate is the Nebraska and Illinois. Nebraska comes into this game about a touchdown favorite, but they're just 5-11 and 11 against the spread under Frost. A lot of pressure on them to produce this year. Yeah, Scott Frost, obviously, is fourth season in Nebraska. A um, lot of hype and fanfare as he came over from Central Florida after finishing off that 13-0 season in 2017. Um, they have not been good under him. I think they're 12-20 uh, and 20 straight up under, under Frost. Um, again, in Big Ten play, that's obviously tough trying to turn that program around. Um, Adrian Martinez is a dynamic quarterback that he's had, both running the ball and throwing the ball. Um, he's had trouble kind of holding on to the football. Um, don't know of documented numbers, but so, somewhere in that range of 27 to 32 fumbles um, Martinez has had um, in his three years there at Nebraska. So obviously that can be a problem and, and pose a problem, but uh, this is a lot of pressure on Nebraska to, to be a favorite here on the road against Illinois. Um, Illinois, again, not a team that's necessarily rebuilding. They make a, the coaching change to uh, Bilsma. Um, who comes out back out of the pros right. after having a lot of success at Wisconsin. Uh, Brandon Peters returns at uh, quarterback. I think they have 18 returning starters um, on both sides of the ball. So they've got some guys that can play. Um, Nebraska has 10 returning starters on defense, but that defense gave up over 29 points a game last year. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing in that you've got essentially your whole defense returning. That was the, the Swiss cheese defense. Um, so we see Nebraska as a, a touchdown favor total in the mid-50s. Um, should be an interesting game. Uh, Illinois beat them um, last year as 17-point underdogs um, in Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska, So uh, that was a game that I'm sure Teaser uh, was a big fan of of watching an underdog come in. So I'm sure he's he's, uh, looking again for uh, Illinois in this spot as an underdog, a home underdog, uh, getting the seven points. And as you said, Nebraska's uh, struggled as a favorite uh, in recent history. Really a tough spot, too, to go into Lincoln and beat Nebraska there. So I think there's a lot of pressure, as you kind of alluded to, on Scott Frost, maybe more than any other, you know, big-time coach in in, in college football right now. Um, We're going to look at another game that I think there could be some pressure on a coach as well. And that's the Hawaii-UCLA game. UCLA comes into this game um, almost a three-touchdown favorite, uh, 18-point favorite. Um, DTR, Chip Kelly, I think a lot of pressure on them. You look at Chip Kelly, uh, 2015 through 2020, any school, straight up, He's 10 and 20 and just 14 and 16 against the spread. So all that success and everything that he had at Oregon, I think you look at what he's what, where he's kind of gone since then, it's not that same guy. Uh, teams have kind of adjusted to his defense, that quick pace offense. And there's a lot of pressure on Chip Kelly this year as well. And, and again, they haven't been great, I think, just at home too uh, for him. I think just a, a 6 and 14 record over his last 20 games. So uh, he needs to kind of right the ship a little bit. And they're a huge favorite against Hawaii week one. Yeah, and Hawaii doesn't have that dynamic Hawaii offense that we're kind of used to seeing of them being able to put up a bunch of points, uh, a little bit of a Swiss cheese defense, but Hawaii's always been able to score. Um, they've always been a good home program as uh, teams go across to the island and, and potentially struggle to play in that atmosphere. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, coming to UCLA, this is big-time football that they're going to be coming to Pac-12. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robson hasn't gotten the, the reps that he had in Can the spring. 
Dorian Thompson Robinson DTR. He hasn't gotten the reps um, this spring. He, he's uh, missed a little bit of the spring practice. Um, you know, cheering for him from a from a local standpoint. He's a, a local kid here from Las Vegas. Played his high school football football at Bishop Gorman. Had a great senior season at Bishop Gorman. That's got him that uh, incredible spot at UCLA. Had time to develop here under Chip Kelly. Um, you said that one of the things they've struggled. They've struggled not only in their home or their opening games. I think they gave up 48 points to Colorado last year in the opener, uh, but in non-conference games. They're 4-16-1 in their last 21 non-conference games. And then you have to look ahead to September 4th. They're at home against LSU, where they're just over a field goal dog. So this might be a little bit of a look-ahead. Look, tough, right. tough to say a look-ahead situation when it's your you know your home opener right. and, and you're going to have fans back in the stadium and stuff like that. But um, believe me, I, I guarantee they've got that LSU circled next week. So uh, see if they can just get through uh, Hawaii. But they should have a, a good offense. They should be able to put up points. Um, it's always been kind of on the back end. Can that UCLA defense uh, be able to stop teams? And like I said, Hawaii doesn't have that dynamic offense. And as uh, UCLA at the end of last year, that defense started to improve. I think they ended up with nine interceptions on the back end in their last game. So some optimism there for UCLA. But again, a tough spot knowing uh, LSU is right behind them. And again, we've touched on two games right now where both Frost and Chip Kelly have a lot of pressure on them to kind of start the season uh, quickly. Another game we're going to touch on is uh, the UConn-Fresno State game. Fresno's a huge favorite in this game. One of the biggest favorites on the board. Uh, UConn hasn't played in over 630 <laughs> days. Um, they opted out last year. I mean, just one in six against the spread their last seven. Uh, they've had some struggles as well. Having to travel and play Fresno, who's a big favorite right now. Tough task, I think, for Utah, especially with not playing for that length of time. Yeah, UConn under Randy Ensel has has had a, a tough go here. Six and 30 uh, straight up in their last 36 games. You know, in his second regime there. Don't play last year. Um, and this is not a good spot to go to Fresno, who um, led uh, the Mountain West in total offense last year, led the Mountain West in passing offense last year. Uh, they got a young running back, Ronnie Rivers. Uh, you're going to know that name. Uh, he, he's going to be in the Heisman talk when we get to the end of the year. Not even on Heisman boards that uh, that are out there, but he, he's going to put up a dynamic numbers. They're, uh, like you said, a four-touchdown favorite um, to a UConn team that was given up over 40 points a game back in 2019 when they played. So um, not much going on for UConn there. I think we're going to find that UConn's going to be at the, the bottom of that uh, NCAA football, uh, you know, this year, and they'll be a team that a lot of people are picking on. Yeah, there's some great games this weekend. It's fun for us to to kick it off. But not only that, we have all the games up for kind of that first full weekend of college football, which is Labor Day weekend. That weekend, you've got games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, uh, which is exciting. So we always kick it off on on Labor Day weekend, and kind of be remiss if we didn't touch on Last Man Standing a little bit. Our signature contests are back. It's not only the pro this year, but it's the college and pro last man standing. Uh, get signed up by September 6th for that bonus. Same as before. $25 gets you one entry. 100 gets you four entries. Uh, the fifth one is free. Guaranteed 100000 in college football. Guaranteed 150 in pro football. And you sign up by that early sign-up bonus and you win them both? You're going to take home 750000 for a cool million. Cool million. Pretty <laughs> sweet. So it's always fun, these contests, you guys. Elimination contests. You win. You move on. You lose and you go home. We're going to take a break now. We'll come back, and we're going to chat a little bit of uh, preseason football as we get closer and closer to the start of the regular season. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. 
Hey gang, we're back for segment two of our segment of uh, bookends, and we're going to touch a little bit on preseason football right now. I think you know it's not that far away, Jay, from the start of the regular season. Um, preseason's been really lopsided this year. I mean, you look at the AFC total dominance, twenty-eight and five. The NFC five and twenty-eight. I know it's only preseason, but some of these teams in the AFC love to win. You look at John Harbaugh and the Ravens, 18 straight wins. You look at John Gruden, who is, I think, the second highest winning percentage in preseason football uh, since 2015. Uh, they're 2-0 this year. You look at uh, Flores for the coach of the Dolphins, 4-0 last year. Although they did lose to the Bears week one, they came back and they won last week. So you've got a lot of these coaches that really like to win in the AFC. Again, I know it's only preseason, but it's been total dominant so far for the AFC. Yeah, and again, you know, what what does preseason mean anymore? Um, you know, obviously you talk about coaches that like to win in those right. preseason games. Um, the, you know, we go from a four preseason schedule down to a three pre, three game preseason well, you schedule. You say what does preseason mean? The two years the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they were 0-4 in the preseason. So, you know, from what I've heard, a lot of these teams are taking more um, out of their their practice games, their scrimmage games when they invite the other teams in than the actual preseason games themselves. They're having themselves. to kick guys out. Yeah, that those, early, that those right. are the more competitive uh, kind of practices. So, you know, you get to learn some stuff in preseason, especially as we look at a ton of young uh, rookie quarterbacks right. that have had a chance to play, um, look at some receivers and stuff like that. But uh, we're not seeing a whole lot of the, the NFL superstars play in a lot of games, and whether that's preseason, season, whether that's COVID, um, not really sure what it is, but uh, you know, we'll get this week after this week of preseason, we'll take a week off and then we'll get things started. Let's touch on some of these quarterback controversies and kind of like, should he or shouldn't he be the starter? First, it's going to be the Denver Broncos. They announced now that it is going to be Teddy Bridgewater, which I'm kind of surprised. I think you look at Bridgewater, although he's 26 and 23 um, as a starter, a lot of success. He went to Carolina last year. They thought he'd be that quarterback with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Robbie Ann. Anderson and CMC, but they gave up on him in a year. I think you look at Drew Locke. He's got the big arm. You, you've got a healthy team right now with Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. You draft Williams. You've got that good defense, yet they decide to go to Bridgewater. I understand he's more of a game manager. It's probably the safer pick right now, but I think you look at Drew Locke's upside. I know his, his, his ceiling and his floor is probably much greater than Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm a little surprised that they already named uh, Bridgewater the starter. I'm on the opposite side here. I, I think Bridgewater is the right way to go. Um, I think that Denver's got a, uh, we'll call it a, a playoff defense, um, and Locke is that guy that you're either gonna, he's either gonna win you some games, but he might also lose you some games. He's, he's got that downfield uh, ability to pass, but he's also gonna have so, a little bit more turnovers right. there. Maybe they're a little bit more dynamic on offense. But, but can I, he compete? I don't think that's what Vic Vangio wants. Right. I think he wants that conservative offense, stay in games, let his defense try and win football but, games for but him. They play in a division with, with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes where you may have to score upwards of, of 30 points to win some of those games. Is, is Teddy Bridgewater that quarterback? I think it's a great argument um, both ways. And I, well, I totally Teddy, see your what point. T- what his, his nickname is Teddy Covers, right? So um, <laughs> Teddy Checkdown, Teddy, Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy know, Covers. He, he's yeah. uh, he, he's right. you know shown the ability to win, shown the right. ability to keep his team in games. Um, you know they didn't. Uh, 
played particularly well on the offensive side of the football. So if he can just do that and manage the game, and you said he's got some dynamic players that he are there with him. Does. When you talk about Jerry Judy and a, a healthy Corton Sutton and, and bringing that running game, and if they can somehow uh, find, you know, get another year out of Melvin Gordon, um, they they have the tools. I mean, he was actually pretty good in Carolina even after um, McCaffrey went down. He, he was able to win some games and stay right. in those games. So um, I think Bridgewater's a, a good spot here. They actually um, went up a little bit more against yeah. um, the, uh, Giants. the Giants in their right. opening game. Yep. The one thing that I think that is the bigger deal here is that I think that Denver becomes uh, um, an under team. I think that they're a team that you look for uh, to maybe play some more unders than right. overs. Locke would be that dynamic quarterback that leads the quicker scores or has some some bad possessions. I think the consistency in Bridgewater might uh, lead that team to and, play and, a little bit more under and a little bit more running game. I think you look at that defense, too. You know, They draft Patrick Sertain. They, they sign Kyle Fuller away from the Bears. You've got Chubb and Miller. They've got a very good defense, as you said, a Super Bowl caliber defense. So it'll be an interesting argument in that division. Um, how about the Jags? They've already said that, that Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I think when you draft a kid number one overall – and you're Urban Meyer, it, it was a no-brainer. It didn't matter if Gardner Minshew outplayed him in the preseason or Lawrence struggled somewhat. They were going to go with Trevor Lawrence. They do lose Travis Etienne, who they had kind of said was going to be their, their third down back, kind of that safety valve for Trevor Lawrence. I think it ups the value of James Robinson a little bit. But what do you think of that decision to start Trevor Lawrence? Uh, yeah, it was a no-brainer. I, I didn't think that Minshew had really had a chance to play, despite how they played number one quarterback. You got you to gotta play him. You're gonna, it's, it's, going to, it's going to be a woeful season for the Jags. I don't don't see them have having a particularly good season. They are a, a they are a favorite in the opening game against Houston, um, which is uh, throw this stat at you: the last thirteen quarterbacks that were drafted number one in their first NFL start are zero and thirteen. Um, so maybe Houston's got a chance in the, in that opener, uh, but I think this is the this thirteen is an unlucky number. So maybe the fourteenth <laughs> becomes a win. They did win opening week last year. They were a big underdog at Indy, and they went in there and won that game. Yeah, I, I think that uh, again, ETN being out, this is a horrible offensive line. Um, he does have some receivers there, but uh, Jacksonville needs a lot of help, and uh, this is not uh, uh, not a good offensive line that's going to give Trevor Lawrence a lot of time to pick defenses apart. How about the Patriots now? Um, you know, they kind of said all along that it was going to be. Cam. Um, Mac Jones, you can make a case, has been the best of the rookie quarterbacks um, so far in preseason. I think he's 28 for 36. Hasn't generated a lot of scoring, but extremely efficient. It's early in the season that Tom Brady and the Patriots, and the Bucks, excuse me, come to New England to play the Patriots. I, I just wonder if there's a chance that Mac Jones kind of gets the start. Cam Newton's been out for a little while now, um, so I wonder if there's a chance that, that Mac Jones kind of becomes that third guy with Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and it's Mac Jones who becomes a starter week one. Well, again, I'm, I'm going, back to the, going back to the veteran. I'm staying with Cam Newton, um, I, you know, the, the NFL is a, a fine line between winning and losing in these rookie quarterbacks. Um, it's a learning process. I don't care how well you're playing in the preseason. When we get to these live games, the game's that much faster. Uh, the stars are coming in. Um, this, you know, they're going to open up with Miami, um, who's got a really good defense, a good defensive front. Um, Cam Newton knows what he's looking at, can, can make those reads. Um, they've got a good defense. They've got a, a good running back uh, core there. They've got a bunch of receivers that they brought in to kind of see what's going on and tight ends as well. So I stay with, uh, I stay with Cam Newton, and if the season doesn't go as planned, then you go to Mac Jones. 
real quick now before we end this segment, there's there's two more teams that I mean, one is our Chicago Bears. Um, Andy Dalton has not looked great in the preseason. Uh, he's had I, I think almost every possession but one has been a three and out. He's really generated very minimal scores. He had the one long touchdown pass to Adams. Outside of that, he just hasn't been dynamic. And you look at Justin Fields, who's just when he takes the field, that added element of being able to run the ball. He just adds so much excitement. And there's a lot of pressure. We talked about Frost and and, and Hill in college. Um, Frost and Kelly, excuse me. I think you look at the pros. God, Matt Nagy has to have a lot of pressure on him and Ryan Pace to produce this year. I just, I don't think it's going to be um, uh, a field. It's going to be Dalton for sure. But how long until they go to, to Justin Fields? Yeah, you said it's going to be Dalton, and and I think it should be Fields. I, I don't know that the Bears Same. are a better team with Dalton on the field. Um, there's there's a time for quarterbacks to learn. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, this is a, a time for learn. He's going to make mistakes. I, I think that. The Bears aren't winning a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, so why not let Justin Fields learn and, and start to get better and look to the future of this team? I think real interesting stat, the Bears and Rams, this is the fifth time they're playing in five years. The previous four all under. Um, if this game at halftime, it's a Sunday night opening, Sunday night game, if it's a low-scoring game like 10-6, 13-7 in that range, I wouldn't be surprised if Fields ends up playing a little bit in the second half of that game. I, I disagree. I think, I think if Nagy... Is wishy washy. He he cuts his own he cuts his own throat. He if he goes with Dalton, he's got to stick with Dalton. You know, go through three or four games. If he's bad, then he makes the switch. But I I don't think that he he goes back and forth with these guys. We're an what about what about we're an Sam, opposite end? What about San Francisco before we get out? I think here? it's Jimmy G. I think Jimmy okay. G gets to start. Trey Lance has struggled a little bit in the preseason. I think it could be early in the season as well that Trey Lance tra- takes over there. But you look at their offensive skill position players. I love them. Ayuk and Samuel and and uh, and George Kittle. They've got a lot of talent there. Um, so I think, you know, adding somebody like a young quarterback, it, it's easier to kind of get him in there slowly. But I think it's going to be Jimmy G. I agree. I, I like Jimmy G. I think that the Niners have the best offensive line in football. Um, they've got the receivers there. Their running game is absolutely fantastic. I'm really, really high on the Niners this year. I think if Jimmy G just manages stuff, can potentially stay healthy, um, the Niners are going to be a winning team. All right, guys, we're going to come back and, and just touch a little bit on fantasy football and then get into our, our good, the bad, and the ugly segment. So we'll see you guys in a minute. Locals, here's how easy it is to start betting on games with the STN Sports app. They have sign-up locations across Las Vegas, so no matter where you are, you're less than five minutes away from getting started. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Hey guys, we're back for our last segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before we jump into that, though, I guess this kind of falls in that category. We talked about the AFC's domination so far in preseason, Jay. 28-5 opposed to 5-28. and 28. Week 3, the last week of preseason, kind of a dress rehearsal. 14 of the 16 games this week are out of conference. So if you look at that schedule and look at the AFC teams, they might be able to dominate a bit. Yeah, take a look at the AFC teams in week one. There's a several AFC versus NFC kind of pick em matchups where you've got AFC teams, uh, you know, pick over NFC teams, and you've got a couple NFC teams that are slight favorites over AFC teams. So if you're looking at that AFC-NFC matchup, uh, there's something to, something to look at there. I think there's two real quick that are intriguing. One is that, that Denver Giant game that when Bridgewater was named the starter, as you said earlier, um, that line actually went up. And the Colts were the favorite against Seattle. Then you had the Carson Wentz and, and Quentin Nelson injuries, and it kind of flipped to Seattle. We're getting more and more kind of reports that those two guys might be back. Kind of curious to see if that line kind of falls back down or not. Now we're going to get into our good, the bad, and the ugly. Again, I know Clint Eastwood is extremely happy with this segment. First, the good in MLB. 
I mean, uh, the Yankees, 11 straight wins. Uh, Tampa Bay has won four in a row. San Francisco, four in a row. Milwaukee, four in a row. Uh, Seattle's been seven and three in the last 10 games. So those teams are just playing good. The betters are riding those teams, especially the Yankees right now. And those are definitely the good teams in baseball. Yeah, Yankees are the hottest at that 11-game win streak. The Braves have been really, really good, eight and two. Um, Teams are starting to separate themselves as you making that uh, run for their divisions. Um, Tampa Bay specifically, um, they're they're, uh, second best in majors right now behind the Giants. Um, They're getting a beat up on uh, a team that we'll get to in the ugly. Um, they're they're 13-1 and one, uh, against the Orioles, and they right. get the Orioles for another three-game set this upcoming weekend. So uh, Tampa's continuing to push things out, and uh, we'll see how these wild-card races come up. There's uh, some real battles versus some teams that have been struggling. It's just right for now. that one game, as we've talked about before, the wild-card. You do all this, and it's just for one game. So curious to see how that unfolds. I think when you look at the bad, uh, Miami 2-8, uh, and eight, the Mets 2-8, and eight, um, the, 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 the Padres have really struggled at 2-8. and eight. And the Phils at three and seven, all teams that that had opportunities, not Miami, but the the Mets, uh, uh, the Pods, and the Phils, all were looking good maybe a few weeks ago, and have really kind of fallen off since then. Uh, but that's definitely in the bad category. Yeah, I'll start with the the Padres in in my bad again two and eight. Um, they they go to Arizona and lose three of four, including being no hit uh, by the Diamondbacks. Um, they go to Colorado, they get swept. Now they come home to the Dodgers, uh, where they lose two straight, including a, a six. 16-inning uh, marathon uh, last night uh, that they lost. So they, they are just kind of uh, somewhat falling apart. The schedule doesn't get any easier for them as they're going to see the Giants uh, and Dodgers over and over again uh, as, as we end the season here. Um, and it just seems like they've kind of lost that uh, they've lost that San Diego swag right. that, that they've had. Tatis has really struggled over the last kind of 10 days. When he got hurt, it was kind of when everything kind of, they, they dropped off Yeah, they fire, they, fire the, they fire the pitching coach. They, child, right. they, they, I, I don't know who the hitting coach is, but that's who they need to look at because they really struggled on the offensive side of things. I mean, they they got no hit against the Diamondbacks. They essentially got no hit last night against the Dodgers because they went nine and two-thirds innings right. with no hits right. in that 16-inning marathon. So um, also on the bad side, you know, I'm going to go to a team that's really fighting for – uh, a wild card spot in the Oakland Oakland Athletics. Um, Toronto too. Yeah, I think both have really struggled. You know, they, they've kind of fallen off. The, the A's play a four game series against the Yankees, the hottest team in baseball. They're battling with Boston. Um, they just really haven't been hitting the ball, and they've really been struggling on the back end, much like the Boston Red Sox, um, in trying to find somebody to close out games. Trevino's been bad for for Oakland here of late. Um, Probably no worse than than Matt Barnes has been for the Red Sox, who I don't know that he even stays in the closer role for the Red Sox. Um, but both those teams um, that are battling for that last wild card spot have really had cl- uh, trouble in their closing positions. Yeah, it's been crazy the way it's kind of changed for some of those teams. Um, you know, on our uh, STN mobile app, we've kind of had that new thing we put out there. Let, you know, let's go streaking. Don't get scared, everybody. We're, <laughs> it's just we're just let's go streaking. But the, the Yankees definitely the positive streak. We thought we'd be talking about the Orioles yesterday. They had lost 19 straight games and they were losing six to two in the fourth yesterday. We thought it was going to be 20 in a row, but guess who came back and won a game finally? Well, and it was against Otani, too. So, I mean, you know, you've got you got a, a good pitcher on the mound, a 6-2 to two lead, and, and the Orioles find a way, and I guess we'll we'll jump in that they are the ugly segment, right? <laughs> they is that, definitely that, are. That's who we're, that is that's ugly, who we're talking right? about, yep. ugly. Yep. Of losing 19 straight games, they finally get a win, uh, so maybe that jumps them back up into the, into the, into the good, but no, I think the Orioles are in for a, another bad stretch here. Uh, again, this weekend, they're going to be taking on the Rays 
Phillies, who um, they're one and thirteen in their fourteen games this year against Tampa, and and again Tampa looking to continue to win, playing great baseball. Um, you know, the other thing from an ugly standpoint, I'll, I'll talk about just just the closing uh, of baseball games. Right, that right. you know, it, it seems like every given night, and and I don't know whether it's the the tenth inning or the or the ninth inning, um, but we're just seeing these closers really 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 struggle. It seems like uh, we have so many extra inning games and, and teams unable to close things out. Even um, the Giants, who have been fantastic, you've seen McGee struggle on, on the back end of things. The Yankees with Chapman, um, some struggles in, in closing games out there. So um, I just wonder if that's something that we're going to, as we go through the playoffs, is it going to be, hey, what bullpens are really locking things down? The White Sox, if even you know, with the two guys that they've bit, had, and Kimbrell and Hendricks, yeah. they had trouble closing right. games out. So it's going to be interesting as we move forward to see which one of these back end uh, closing tandems and teams can start to close games out in the playoffs. You know, interesting enough, too, with the Orioles that kind of the Sharps and the sophisticated betters played the Orioles yesterday. They hadn't been on them a lot during this streak, but they were definitely a play yesterday. They saw something in the number. They liked them, and they actually cashed on that game. Well, we stopped two streaks yesterday. That Not only the Orioles stopped their 19-game losing streak, but the Marlins stopped right. their 8-game game. losing streak to the Nationals. So um, we're seeing some of these bad teams get on some bad rolls. So if you're looking to take advantage of baseball, um, you know, check out those streaks and just ride those streaks till they end. Absolutely. Guys, with all this that we've talked about, I mean, still UFC, golf, so many things going on right now. It's such a great time to get signed up for STN Sports. It really does bring the sports book to the palm of your hand. We love it when you come into all of our properties, uh, the El Cortez, Wildfire Gaming properties, and hang out and have some fun and enjoy everything we have to offer. But now's the time to get STN Sports. We have up to that $500 bonus going on. It brings the sports book to the palm of your hand. It's a great time to have it. Yeah, and we've got, you know we've added some unique uh, boxing uh, matches to the slate for the yeah, next couple right. weeks. Uh, Paul and Woodley uh, uh, going throwing gloves, and uh, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz, Oscar De La Hoya, Vita <laughs> Belfort. So, Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, check out the app for uh, these uh, cool, uh, you know, kind of exhibition boxing matches that uh, that are coming up. Uh, I'm excited. There's so many cool things on the board. College football kicks off this weekend. We're getting closer and closer to pros. Fantasy football's right around the corner for everybody, too. He's Jason. This is our buddy Teaser. I'm Chucky. We'll see you guys next week on Bookends.